creep night. Sure to send a chill down your spine. Welcome to creep night. Nursing homes can be great for those who need it. But what if the nursing home turns into a nightmare? <laughs> Mrs. Rosalind had just arrived at the nursing home. The first thought of hers was the god-awful smell, a smell of strong urine. She wrinkled her nose and moved on to her new living quarters. It had been the last few falls that landed her here. This had not been her idea, but her daughter's. Christina, a 35-year-old, who had made a career with her life and just had no time for her own mother. Of course, this had been Miss Rosaline's idea of why her daughter had dropped her off here. In this godforsaken place, only to rot away with all the other unwanted parents. Mrs. Rosaline sat her stuff in the white armor and looked around. Pure white walls. No wall decorations, just plain, boring walls. This had not been the life Mrs. Rosaline had seen for herself. She had been a big shot writer in her days, at least when writing meant something. This would not deter her from living an all-independent life. Footsteps from outside of her room thundered outside the hallway. A huge, heavy-set nurse opened the door. Her name was Jackie. She had long black hair that touched her shoulder blades and a bright red pair of glasses hanging from her chain. All settled in, Mrs. Rosalind? She asked in a soft but childish voice, almost as if Miss Rosalind were a young child waiting to be told it was bedtime. Yes, thank you, Miss Rosalind politely but snottily said. Good, very good, Jackie replied as she quietly shut the door. This made Miss Rosalind... A little uneasy, the way she had said good. Very good. Almost a pause with the second one. She had quickly shrugged it off, thinking she was just tired and overthought it. Mrs. Rosaline put on her light blue nightgown and her hair cap in hopes of her hair not getting ruined while she slept. This had been a quick way to do her hair in the mornings, since she had put hair curlers in her hair, and then the cap, by the time morning would arrive, she would ha all she would have to do is take out the curlers, and bam, all done. She curled into bed, wondering how her life had come to this. She soon would be asleep. A little past midnight, Mrs. Rosalind heard a loud creak, a god-awful loud creak, that made her jump. It was almost as if someone, or something, had been pacing back and forth right outside her door. Was it the nurse? What was her name again? Mrs. Rosaline asked herself, unsure of the answer. In her head, she could hear the nurse's response. Good. Very good. What did that response mean? Why a pause in the middle of her response? She asked herself again. It would take a few good moments for Mrs. Rosaline to get out of bed and go check out the noise. She hadn't been this scared since she had been a child and her brother Dan had dared her 
to go into the basement that was dark and filled with webs and spiders. The darkness is what first got her. This time, she forced herself out of bed and walked slowly to the door. She touched the knob, but had begun to feel her heart pound louder and louder than it had ever beated before in her whole entire existence. She questioned if she really wanted to know what was behind that door. She kept her hand on the doorknob. It was cold and smooth. She slowly began to turn the knob. Outside, Mrs. Rosalind's door stood a midnight cleaning lady with skinny, long, piggy-tailed black hair. She looked up at Mrs. Rosalind, almost startled. Mrs. Rosalind couldn't help but giggle at herself as she shut the door. She laughed because she had thought that there had been a monster outside roaming the hallways. Morning light brightened her room. She let out a huge yawn and stretched as she gently got herself out of bed. She removed the cap, looked at the mirror. One by one, she had removed the coolers out of her hair. Damn, Mary, you look good for a 70-year-old, she had told herself. Rosalind had put a fine layer of lipstick. Red Violet by Secret was her favorite brand, and then a small layer of light gray eyeshadow on her eyes. She loved this color. She had even thought... It had made her look young, very young. Lastly, the foundation to hide away all the wrinkles that she had collected over the years. Her hair had gray streaks in it. This had disgusted her in a great ordeal. Looks like I'll have to go buy some hair collar. I'll be damned if I look 70. She had muttered to herself. Looks had been everything to her. And looking old was not an option. It never will, nor would be. Mrs. Roselyn was all dressed up, and she would begin to make her way to the kitchen area, where she would eat breakfast. She had looked like a businesswoman, and all of the staff and residents had noticed this. She was not like all the other zombies, like the residents, as she liked to put it who looked like they ought to be dead rather than alive. She smiled at the kitchen server and politely asked, Black coffee and an English muffin with a packet of wild berry jelly on the side with butter. The server glanced at Mrs. Rosalind. My, do you look nice today? She replied as she began to give Miss Rosalind her food and drink. Miss Rosalind looked at the food. Maybe the girl had not heard her. Dear, this is oatmeal. I do not eat oatmeal. The server looked at Mrs. Rosalind blankly and almost frowned. Let's try this again. I would like an English muffin with wild berry jelly and butter on the side with a cup of black unsweetened coffee, please. Mrs. Rosalind had said again, trying to be as nice as she could be. The server grabbed a new plate and this time got the order right. Mrs. Roseland had taken her food to the counter table that looked 
out the window where she could see all of the trees. The sky had been a light blue, with barely any clouds in sight. She had sipped on her black coffee. It hadn't been the best. She had lived a rich life and was used to clutch coffee, which was one of the world's most expensive coffees out there. This coffee tastes cheap, almost like dirt mud water, but she didn't complain. Not everyone could afford what she could. After breakfast, Mrs. Rosalind decided it would be a good day to go run some errands, maybe even go get the hair dye she loved so much. It had been called color number five, a reddish-brown hair dye. She had been using the hair dye for almost 40 years. The nursing home had its own hair salon, but Mrs. Rosaline preferred to go to a place called Hair Extreme Salon. It had been one of the very expensive places to go, but this did not bother her any. Her errands were done. She sat in her room in front of an old typewriter, thinking about what she would even begin to write about. Maybe about how her daughter, how daughters and sons leave their parents to die in a shitty old nursing home? Maybe this was too harsh, since some of them meant well and couldn't handle their parents living with them. But to Mrs. Rosaline, this was very different, so much more different for her, since she could still take care of herself. She had spent many hours wondering if it was just the money her daughter wanted, since Christina never came to visit her. But then again, it had only been the second day. A sharp knock is what pulled Mrs. Rosaline out of her thoughts. She quickly got up and went to the door and opened it. And it had been Jackie, the nurse from the other day. I have something for you, Jackie had said. Jackie pulled out a small square box. On the box read, Mrs. Mary Rosaline. It had been shipped from New York City through UPS. Mrs. Rosaline had not recognized the sender's name. Mrs. Rosaline took the package and thanked Jackie for the delivery. As soon as the door was shut, behind her, she carefully took the package out to the desk and began to slowly open the box. Inside laid a black diamond necklace. Maybe they had sent this to the wrong person. Mrs. Rosaline had thought to herself, the box had said her name, though. She took the necklace out of the box and tried it on. It gleamed with beauty. The sunlight had made the diamond shine bright and sparkle. She wore it for maybe five minutes, but then quickly took it off. The atmosphere would soon change into a thick, smoggy fog. This seemed odd for mid-July weather. Usually it was hot. But this time it had been different, almost as if the feeling of death was baring its teeth and saying, Hello, look at me. Can you feel me near you? This idea had made Mrs. Rosaline shiver. It had been noon that day when the first death had actually occurred. Mr. Fox, he was a 60-year-old war vet who had developed a picture after the tragic loss of his youngest son, suicide. Mr. Fox had been the one who had discovered his son's body sitting in an old wooden chair against the wall by an old-fashioned bookshelf. A long Ross M.K. 
three shoved up against the pine-wooded floors, right under whatever was left of the poor bastard. It had taken his head right off. The blood splatters were a nightmare only you would see in movies. Mr. Fox had died of what they called the flu, or in cases of pneumonia. Luckily for him, the mustard gas was not what did him in. The nursing staff had wheeled him out in a long gurney and covered him with a very long white bedsheet, the kind you see in the movies, but never real in life. Other residents gazed in a zombie-like state, unaware of what was actually happening, or just stuck in their own personal hells. Dinner time was the quietest it had ever been. Jackie, the head nurse, hung out with her co-workers, talking about how odd the weather was becoming, and how sad it was that Mr. Fox had passed. But this hadn't been what had scared them the most. It had been the look on his face, wide-eyed, open, de-hinged jaw, gaping wide open, and his hands, god-awful hands, had been what was the most sticking out. Up in a claw-like fashion, almost as if he had been ripped away from this life in a quick and painful way, it would be many hours later that Mr. Fox's family, mainly friends at this point, since his wife had died and a few years ago, earlier, and they had no other children, would come and claim the rest of his stuff. They seemed unsurprised by his death and almost relieved at the same point. After they had all left, Jackie would make a low mumble statement. Greedy vultures! She had seen all sorts of fights over who got what and who was going to be doing what at whom's funeral. It made her sick to her stomach. Later, Mrs. Rosaline would come out of her room to eat dinner. The food here wasn't as great as what she was accustomed to. But she had told herself it wasn't that bad and by God she didn't want to starve to death by any means. She could see that no effort had been made with what they called beef stroganoff. It looked like there was barely any meat or noodles. What were they trying to do? Starve us all to death? With this kind of food? She asked herself. She had heard about the untimely passing of Mr. Fox. Sixty is too young, she said to herself. It would be at night that the second death would take hold and cause mass hysteria. Throughout the halls of the Beehive's nursing home, this time it had been 70-year-old Beverly Hinkle. In her days, she had been a substitute teacher married to a baptized priest. You can only imagine the horror she went through with this guy. The city folks called him an old-fashioned, bubble-thiping, kind of man, a man who thought of himself as high and mighty, and he'd be damned if any woman would get one over him. But he did love Beverly in his own kind of way. She had been sent here after a tumor in her brain had gotten worse, and she began to start bleeding from the brain. It started out with a small triplets of blood from her nose, nothing to fret about, at least 
that was what she had told her God-fearing husband, it would later leave her in a vegetable state, irrelevantly cutting her off from the world. She had died in the early night at 8 p.m. She looked as Mr. Fox did when he died. Jackie stormed down the halls, lighting her smoke and puffing like she'd been a fire-breathing dragon. I don't understand what in Sam Hill is going on here. This is the second death this month, and only in a day period. She would sternly say to the other nurse assistants, all they could do was shrug, and they had no idea what was causing it. It would be much later, after the fourth death, would they realize the terror that had entered their community. Mrs. Rosalind didn't want to stay here anymore. After the second death, she had phoned her daughter, Christina, out in New York. Something isn't right. Please come get me. Mary had said to her daughter, Mother, you know I cannot do that. I have a meeting out in Chicago around 6 a.m. Christina replied almost unsympathetic, almost as if she could care less. Christina, two people have died just a day apart. Mary had tried to tell her daughter, but had been cut off. Mother, people die every day. And two people? That is not unusual. Nor is it something that you should even be so terrified about. Now, had it been the whole nursing home, then that would be a different story. Christina had replied. Mary hung up the phone. After saying her goodbyes, she had created, had she created a daughter so uncaring that even her own mother was no different from the rest of the world? She asked herself. Had she given her daughter too much in life to be treated like a pile of shit, just waiting to be shoveled away? The third death had been an 80-year-old named Miss Jakes. She had never married, nor had children of her own. She was a bitter old woman who enjoyed hackling at people. She had thought of herself as better than anyone. She had lost her mind. They called it a split personality disorder followed by bipolar, but I don't think that's correct. She had constantly talked to invisible people. She believed that the nursing home was posed by the devil himself. Her death was gruesome. She had sliced both wrists long ways and bled out. Maybe she had known what was to come. The staff had been shocked and terrored. How she, how could she have done it? There were no sharp items given to any of the residents. It wouldn't be long until they discovered how she had done it. In her bathroom had been a broken mirror. A long, sharp piece of the mirror had been laying on the floor, right by the edge of the door. She had dropped it as, as she staggered to the wall. Blood splattered, like finger painting, were the words, The sickness is coming. This had chilled the staff to their bones. Mrs. Rosaline had decided it would be best if she just stayed in her room after she had eavesdropped on the conversation of the nurses outside of her door, and a few doors down she could hear their concerns and mass hysteria coming from them. What did she mean the sickness is coming? One of the nurses asked in fear. Maybe it's a virus, making them die, another one shouted out loud. Jackie had shouted to try to calm her nurses down. Listen, 
Mr. Fox died of pneumonia. Beverly died of heart failure. And Mrs. Jakes killed herself. There is no sickness from a virus, but terminally ill. Keep yourself together. We do not want to spook any of the other residents. Jackie said in a sharp tone, but this had not done her any good. But they had spooked a resident. They just hadn't been aware of it yet. In a lunchroom, which had been the fourth death, or maybe you should say deaths, a group of people that had been sitting down had indeed fallen over dead. Just dead. It had hit in waves, and more and more people were falling over dead than anyone could keep track of. Soon, the whole lunchroom would be nothing more than a mass grave. It had been what came after the deaths that would ring in the terror. The nurses had made their ways to the lunchroom, but in their shock, everyone, and I mean everyone, was stone cold dead, except Mrs. Roslin and the staff. Jackie raced into her office trying to call someone, anyone, but the numbers had meshed in her head. She couldn't remember. Mrs. Rosaline would soon next exit the room to see what all the commotion had been about. Her eyes could not prepare her for what she was about to see. It had been like the people had taken a nap and just fell over asleep, but they were not asleep. They were dead. Mrs. Rosalind also known as Mary, had collapsed her hands over her mouth in pure terror. Rosalind had looked around, trying to figure out what the nurses had missed, but she was no detective. She looked at Mrs. Rogers laying on the ground, the poor old widow lady. She was this very smart and sweet lady, always soft-spoken. Her son had come to see her many times. His name was Jim. He was a big-time movie director who lived in Manhattan, New York. Mrs. Rogers had been admitted after she had a stroke and had left her semi-paralyzed on her left side, but somehow she could still talk just fine. Mrs. Rosaline had then looked over at Mr. Green, who had been a nurse upstate in a place called Everspace. He had been placed in this nursing home, after he began to show severe signs of schizophrenia. He had claimed that the devil was trying to get inside of him, or that he was in fact the devil. It had come, become too much for his family to handle, and they sent him away. But he was too, he too was lying on the ground, dead as a doornail. There had been too many bodies to even begin to count. All that remained was the fact that they had all died at the exact same time. At first, the nurses had checked the food. Was the food poisoned? An unlikely theory, but still, they didn't want to rule it out. It had been too odd that they had all died in the same manner and at the exact same time. At first glance, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. No, that would come a few minutes later. The hundreds of residents just lying on the ground, wide-eyed, almost as if they were gazing at the ceiling. Mrs. Rosaline decided to carefully walk back to her room. It had only taken her 17 steps when she saw the first glance of movement. At first, she had thought she had imagined it. 
since this had been so shocking to her. One by one, all of the bodies had been twitching. A nurse had run over to Mr. Elms, who had who was a Vietnam vet and had seen plenty of action through his young years. He had suffered from PTSD and could no longer live by himself. The last straw was when he had lost it, more like hunting flashbacks of the war. He had thought that his neighbors were the enemy. Hell, he had killed enough. His body flailed around almost as if he were having a seizure, but this couldn't have been possible. He died like the rest of the residents. The nurse bent down to check his pulse. It had been a dead giveaway. He was indeed dead. She reached to his to close his eyes as soon as she, her hand had touched his forehead. His hand shot up and grabbed her hand. She let out a loud scream with all of her might as his teeth sank into her warm, soft, almost butter-like skin. The blood had run warm from her arm arm and onto the ground. Later, all the dead residents would soon be reanimating themselves, and they too would join in on eating the nurse. Soon there would be a bloody mess, and nothing left but guts laying and splatter all over the floor. A second nurse named June had come into the room. It hadn't taken her long to piece together what was going on. Of course, she didn't have much time to run, because as soon as she walked into the lunchroom, she let out a loud, booming scream enough to catch the attention of not only the dead residents, who somehow came back to life and started feasting on the living, but also Mrs. Rosalind. Mrs. Rosalind had cracked open the door to see what was going on. To her horror, she now knew. She shut the door quietly as to not attract the hungry feasters and locked it. She then went to her phone and dialed her daughter's phone number again, but she didn't answer. Mrs. Rosaline wondered if all the staff had been killed. Was she the only survivor in the building? How the hell would she even begin to escape this place? It's not like she was as young as she used to be. She couldn't call the front desk. She never did write down the number. And the window in her room was out of the question, since all the windows had thick layer bars in the residents' rooms to keep them from escaping during the night. Many depend dementia patients or even crazed residents could easily try to escape if that was the case. Jackie, the head nurse who had run into her main office, had heard the screams coming from the lunchroom and quickly got to her feet. She had rushed over to her purse and retrieved a nine millimeter automatic handgun that she carried around for protection considering she was a single lady who got off of work really late at night she had to take measures to protect herself of course no one who she worked with knew she had a gun in her purse she quietly began to walk down the long hallway to the lunchroom she didn't have to get far to see what was happening she didn't even bother opening the door the window of the doors to the lunchroom allowed her to peek inside. She held her mouth and quickly turned around to run back to her office. Who would she call, she thought. Who would believe her? Maybe the police? Or would they just think she too had gone crazy? She managed the courage to finally grab the phone and dial. 
but it wouldn't be for long that she would hear slamming footsteps heading toward the halls, toward her office. This time, she quickly shut off the lights and locked the door. She managed to hide under her desk. She had forgotten about the phone in her hand. Hello, this is Nine. What is your emergency? The operator on the phone had said. Jackie looked at her hand and tried to answer, but as she was about to, one of those things that were no longer a residence slammed its hands on the door. Blood spluttered from its palms onto the window. Jackie quickly answered in a quiet tone, Help! is all she could mutter out. What's your location? the operators asked. The address had escaped her. She did not dare move worrying that her movement would cause attention to the thing outside her door. She hung up the phone and hid under the desk waiting for the thing to leave. But it did not leave, at least not right away. It had felt like hours since she hid under her desk. When she finally did emerge from under, she had gotten all stiff. She stretched her legs and then cautiously walked over to the window that peered out into the hallway. She could see the lights flickering on and off. Was it still out there? She wondered. She grabbed the handle and began to turn it until she could hear a click. Then she slightly opened the door and peered out of it. She hadn't seen anything or anyone out there. It looked like the coast was clear. Mrs. Rosaline edged her way down the hall. Her eyes darted back and forth as she got closer to the end of the hallway. She quietly and carefully peered around the corner, her heart began to thump loudly. She had seen a nurse stumbling around in a daze-like phase, and her arm slumped over on the right side, and blood dripping from her hand. Everything had seemed so normal days, even weeks, before all of this madness started happening. At least they had until the necklace had arrived. Had been then that it hit Mrs. Rosaline. Maybe the necklace had been the cause of all this, and now that she could think about it, the necklace looked familiar to her, but where had she seen it? She began to think long and hard, and that's when she knew. It had been the cursed diamond Adaphlia, purple sapphire diamond. Rosaline raced back to her bedroom and began to search her room for the diamond, but she could not find it anywhere. She raced out the door of her room, slowly now, making her way to the head office, trying not to be seen or heard by those things out there. She quickly reached the end of the hallway again, peered over like she had done the last time, and when she saw no one, she quickly raced to the head office and raced inside. Huddled in the corner of the office was Nurse Jackie, and she was holding the diamond. You took it? Miss Rosaline said angrily. Jackie looked up quickly. It's not what you think, she replied. Not what I think? Mrs. Rosaline asked sharply. I was going to give it back, but when I realized what it was, I I couldn't. Jackie replied in an almost obsessed tone. That stone is the reason this is all happening. We need to throw that thing in the ocean, Mrs. Rosaline demanded. Jackie stood up and wiped her tears out of her eyes and agreed. We have to get out of here, Mrs. Rosaline had said as she began to open the window and pop out the screen. 
Jackie reluctantly followed Mrs. Rosalind out the window. If we can make it to the ocean with a 58-minute drive, do you have your car keys? Mrs. Rosaline asked. Yes, replied Jackie. As they quickly went to Jackie's car, they hopped inside and began the drive. 58 minutes later, Jackie and Rosaline got out of the car and threw the necklace into the ocean. That should take care of that, Mrs. Rosaline said in a sigh of relief. Her relief would be short-lived, as Miss Rosaline and Jackie could hear a wave of god-awful moans hitting the airs. Mrs. Rosaline turned around and let out a scream of terror. No! No! We threw it in the ocean! This can't be! Mrs. Rosaline screamed. The horde of the dead rushed them. The world went dark, and the necklace watched back onto the shore, waiting for its next unexpected victim. Thank you for listening to Creep Night. Looks like gift can turn deadly if you don't know the history behind it.